This is episode 45 of the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by Timothy Bouts, better known as Bones. Today, we'll be touching on some Champions League matches from this past week. First leg of the semis is now in the books. It was actually a pretty spicy week. I think that both games were, were very interesting, and uh, there's plenty to play for in the second leg. But before we get into that, we're actually going to cover some of the news from the past week. Some major headlines uh, that were, I would say, the news world in soccer that's not related to actual matches is usually pretty thin, except for transfer rumors, which 95% are bullshit. But this week we had some some serious news to uh, that we can jump into. So without further delay, let's get into it. First things first, we had the first ever Premier League Hall of Fame inductees. I guess. Is that mm-hmm. what you call it? Yeah. Is that, if it's the first one ever, is it called the inaugural? Yes. All right. Cool. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> B-School. Yeah, B-School. Uh, so, yeah, it was the first one, and it's I, I haven't heard much backstory of why they decided to start doing the Hall of Fame, but it's definitely a suggestion and a thing they took from American sports to show yeah, appreciation. It's a very American thing. It is. It is. But, you know, why not? So, the first, they inducted two players this year. The first two ever, obviously, said that a couple times now. They are Thierry Henry, famously of Arsenal, and Alan Shearer, who I think is most associated with Newcastle, but also had won the league with Blackburn. So that's kind of interesting. Anyways, mm. I'd, th- I'd say these are two appropriate First, first in, inductees, I guess you could say. Thierry Henry is a legend, one of the most talented players to ever play the game. Was on the Invincibles with Arsenal. One of the most fun players to watch. On a previous episode, when we, I think we went through some striker pro, uh, superlatives, and I picked Thierry Henry as the, the player I used to hate watching my team play against the most because he could pull a goal out of anywhere he was dangerous any place on the on the pitch and you know he might not have the most insane totals for for statistics but that's because you know he eventually picked up his boots and moved to Barcelona but he's really an Arsenal icon and um, I think it was a pretty appropriate one and then Alan Shearer is is the leading goal scorer all time in the Premier League Uh, he's just a beast and that's pretty much all you need to know about him I mean he's someone I think Bones, given our age, you know, you're almost 30. I'm in my early 30s. Depending on when you started watching, for people our age, when depending on when you started watching the Premier League, especially Americans, you probably missed Alan Shearer. Mm-hmm. And it's too I, bad. I, I can safely say that I did. Yeah, and it's too bad because, I mean, the guy is a absolute baller. And, like, it, it was during a time that was very different than today's game where it was very hard nose, hard tackles, no diving, you know, he's, uh, he, he was a lot of fun to watch. So I think two pretty deserving players. There's obviously a number of players that could have been considered. Uh, I, I don't know the exact requirements. I think there was a certain amount of years that you've had to have either been retired or not play in the Premier League to actually be qualified because my first reaction was Wayne Rooney should have been the first one, but he's not. He hasn't quali- He's not qualified to be in the Hall of Fame as of yet, so I don't know. I don't know the details yet, but 
but there's plenty of other players. I know a lot of Manchester United fans threw big stinks because basically during the Premier League era, Manchester United has dominated and has been carried by Manchester United players, obviously. So a lot of stink there. I think there's rumors that a certain player from Manchester United was one of the two. I think they were going to get put in over Thierry Henry. But due to not only recent news, but sort of a, uh, a accumulation of off-pitch shenanigans, that's actually not a good word to, mm. to... It's not the right word because some of the things that he's been accused of and things that he's been proven to have done off-pitch are horrendous things. Uh, I'm talking about Ryan Giggs. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He is a legend on the pitch for United, but he's... I think it's probably safe to say he's a piece of shit human being. Yeah, he's a great A douchebag. And it's too bad. And it's hard for me because... I think it's hard for anyone because people love to glorify professional athletes, especially when they do well for their, their teams. And I think a lot of shitty people in the past, people have forgiven or like forgotten what they've done as a person. It, even if it's been something super shitty, like we see it in American sports all the time, you know, domestic violence, rape allegations, all that sort of stuff. Kind of like fans forget about it because the player does really well for their team and they're, they're willing to forget about it, which is, so fucked up and bullshit. I try not to do that. So honestly, Ryan Go- Ryan Giggs, if if what he's being accused of, which is domestic violence, is actually true, then he's dead to me because that's just fucked up. There's no place for it. Yeah. So that that piece of news went sort of down a dark road. But anyways, Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer, I think, both deserve it. it it's tough. Like there's there's been nearly 20 years of the Premier League and you only can pick two to go in for the first time when there's been so many legends to to play the game. So obviously there's going to be controversy, but it's pretty cool. I like that they're doing it. Yeah, it's interesting that they only did two to start rather than doing I think for, you know, obviously the uh, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, um, which is for basketball holistically, um, it's been around for forever. Whereas the College Basketball Hall of Fame just started, I think, six years ago or so. And so they had a larger first class and then they set regulations for classes, subsequent classes Hmm. um, as to how many were going to get in. So I'm surprised that they didn't do something similar if they were going to copy the, uh, the American way of doing that. Yeah. That would have been smart. At least throw out like 10 names to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes it that much more elite, I guess. Mm, I suppose. Okay. It's it's, it's going to it's going to be a long haul to see uh, some of the players that probably should be in there to to actually get in because yeah. there's a lot of players that have played in the Premier League and yeah, two spots is not a lot. Nope. No, no. No, no. No. Okay. Move on. Next piece of news. So, as the dust settled after the Super League for the most part, some more storylines sort of started sprouting up. Obviously, Lots of protests, a lot of demands from the supporting bases of the club for their owners to essentially get out, get out of their clubs. It's not their stuff. It's not their club. Get out of here. They, they've made a ma- they've made massive mistakes. This was the biggest final straw. Supporters are demanding, specifically the loudest, I would say, are Arsenal and Manchester United fans 
are demanding their owners to sell, get out of the club. Uh, I'm a big supporter of this. But anyways, Glazers are stubborn. The Glazers are the owners of Manchester United, and they've turtled up. There's some news that they might be interested in selling, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, but Arsenal, on the other hand, there's a, an intriguing storyline that came up. I don't know if it was the first time it was really noticed was through this tweet. But to me, the first time I heard about it was through a tweet sent by Daniel Ek of Spotify. He's a Spotify founder, Swedish Swedish man. Tweeted, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing. I've been a fan of Arsenal my whole life, grew up watching them. I would love to essentially buy them and bring them back to glory. And, you know, you kind of take that, it's a tweet, so you take it at face value, but it turns out he was very serious. And he is putting together a bid. Rumors are that actually three club legends, Arsenal club legends are also involved with a potential bid. That would be Thierry Henry. We just spoke about him getting into the hall of fame, Dennis Bergkamp and Patrick Vieira, probably the three biggest names of Arsenal's history. They all want to go in on buying Arsenal. Cranky, cranky, whatever the owners of Arsenal, Americans, they've come out and said, we're not interested in buying, but here, here's the, here's, sorry. Yes, you're right. Thank you. We're not interested in selling, but at the end of the day, they're business people. So money talks. So we'll see what happens. The rumor is a 1.8 billion. I don't know the currency bid by this group. So, you know, as a United fan, I'd just be super jealous that if this went through, because, you know, we've been trying to get rid of our owners for a while and you know, it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight where Arsenal might, there might be light at the end of the tunnel for Arsenal supporters. What are your thoughts on this bones? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think that there's been an influx of uh, American investment interest in, um, in European soccer. It does seem like the Kronkies are less willing to, loosen the purse strings. There's been issues in in the past probably decade with them being a little stingy or as supporters believed um, or would deem to be stingy. Arsene Wenger was notoriously stingy. He always wanted to run a surplus on his transfers. And then Unai Emery was constantly bitching about not getting enough money. Arteta's saying something similarly. And I think that, you know, this would solve a lot of the Kroenke's problems. Obviously, for a big six club, it's an attractive business model because, you know, you're, you're essentially banking on making tons of money off of, a, off of the broadcast rights of the league. But, you know, it seems like a bigger headache than the Kroenke's really signed up for. And so I am behind them selling, particularly because, you know, it's, it's less interesting and fun for – true Premier League fans to watch the Premier League and have Arsenal just be absolute ass. And I, I know that you probably, to a certain extent, disagree with that. You like to see them suck, but because as a United supporter and me as a Chelsea supporter as well, but you still want to see the best competition in, in the Premier League. And you know, in recent years, they just haven't been competitive. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a little depressing. It says something, too, about Arsene Wenger and – Sir Alex Ferguson, because although the Crankies, I can call them the Crankies, Cronkies. Crankies. Although them, 
they, although they haven't been the outright owners for that long, it has been an Arsenal philosophy to basically not go into a lot of debt and and and, and spend just exorbitant amount of money on on in the transfer market to try to keep up with the likes of Chelsea and City and other big money clubs while still being financially conscious and also be successful. Like Wenger's one of the only players or managers that can do that. He's an economist after all. And then also Sir Alex Ferguson actually had to do the same for Manchester United, although Manchester United would be more willing to spend than Arsenal considering how successful Manchester United were, their wage bill was, it wasn't, wasn't usually one of the highest. So uh, the only, like essentially you had, Sir Alex Ferguson had to constantly think about the, the share price and the, the debt ratio of, of the club and make decisions based off that, which I think only Arsenal and United are the only ones that are really requiring their teams to do that right now that are, you know, Top t- top tier big brand. Those stingy Americans. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that'll be interesting. You know, I I don't know. To your point, I think probably for the Premier League it'd be better if Arsenal starts doing better, but as a United fan, couldn't care less. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. I would say this is the biggest, most exciting news, especially well, it will parlay into four Americans, but Big news, we're giving Bones a little bit of catnip here. We're going to be able to talk about the Bundesliga. Julian Nagelsmann, manager of RB Leipzig, has just been announced as the new manager for Bayern Munich. So, in case you don't know who Julian Nagelsmann is, Bones is going to take you to school. Bones, take it away. So Nagelsmann has been a really hot topic, particularly in the Bundesliga for the past, I'd say, five, six years. He first came to prominence at Hoffenheim, where he took a you know kind of a mediocre squad uh, and made them a not necessarily a contender, but they played top clubs very tough. I think Nagelsmann probably has the best record against against Bayern out of any other active active Bundesliga managers. But so Nagelsmann ended up getting Hoffenheim to, I think, at least one Champions League and then certainly to the Europa League. He then moves on to Red Bull Leipzig. Huge move. He ends up doing very well his first, what, now three years? He's a really, really interesting guy. He's 33, so super young. Um, He was a, a former player, although he ended up retiring, I think, at age 20 or 21 due to severe injuries. And he's just known as this, this German wonderkind um, and certainly a, a future successor to, um, to whomever is in the place of the, the, the German national team. Um, a couple things to note. So what's, ended, what's going to end up happening is Hansi Flick will, will terminate his contract at the end of the season with Bayern. Sad to see him go, but he did an incredible job, an insane job for Bayern in the time that he, in the year and a half that he was manager, record setting. He obviously brought home the sextuple, which uh, again is record setting, ridiculous. 
Um, and he just seemed to be a calming force around, around the, the locker room. He had a bit of a dispute with the board and, and um, the director of football who's handling transfers. And he ended up wanting to leave, I think, uh, and I, I don't think that this is any, any secret, but he had previously, prior to moving to Bayern, he was the assistant manager to Yogi Lowe at, uh, for the, the German national team. He was the assistant when they won the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil. And he then kind of dabbled um, in the DFB ranks. Are we talking about Hansi Flick? Hansi Flick right now and then moving on to Julian Nagelsmann. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, anyways, Hansi Flick, it's known that he wanted to become the next manager of, of the German national team. So it has been announced, but that's expected to be where he's going. Julian Nagelsmann will now shift over to Bayern. It's interesting because I think it's the second highest transfer fee in quotations that a club has had to pay for a manager. It's around 25 million euros, which is nuts. I mean, for some teams, they don't even eclipse 25 million euros for their entire transfer fee for players in a, in a season. It's just, it's freaking nuts, but it also shows how much confidence they have in him how well he's done so early on in his career. I think just having um, a, a younger guy in the locker room, somebody that knows you know, the players a little bit more and can get on a personal level with them, it might be better. I think Hansi was a good conduit to that, but you know, I still think that Julian Nagelsmann has that different factor. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited. It, it's it's a, kind of a, a feel-good story. He's from the Munich area. Um, his family has lived there. His, his wife and kids have been living there um, since he took the Leipzig job. So it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to take the job. Yeah. So just summarize some of the, the key things to pull out of there. So Nagelsmann, he's, he's been considered sort of this prodigy. As, as Bones mentioned, he's 33 years old. He's actually younger than Manuel Neuer at Bayern Munich, which yeah, is, yeah. is nuts. <laughs> And he obviously has there's there's a lot of pressure on him now, but at Leipzig, he took a team that was, you know, it's actually a, a relatively new club, not hasn't been around for a long time. And just two years ago they made the semifinals of the Champions League under Nigelsman. This year they made it to I think the quarterfinals before getting knocked out. This is all with like a pretty uh modest budget too to spend on players. It was very much a, a system that he he put in. And he found the right players to fit the system. He, he hasn't had a big budget to work with in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does at Bayern. I know Bayern, relative to the other top-tier clubs, don't always – I mean, they, they spend some money for sure. Like you think of uh, Hernandez recently. and Yeah, so Luka the Lucas Mikano. Hernandez deal was so out of, out of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. But anyways, Bayern has the ability to spend, which is, is going to be a new thing for Nagelsmann. And so it'll be interesting to see how he does. But, I mean, the guy's a stud. He's the real deal. He's going to have success. It's just – it's going to be hard. It's so crazy that Hansi Flick just got there, has already won everything, and is now leaving. Like, it's yeah. it's, a, it's kind of bizarre. But, yeah, you know. It, it is. And, you know, I'm, I, I have mixed feelings. I wish he would have been able to stay, stay around longer. But, I mean, it, I don't know if he had stay around longer, whether Nagelsmann would have been available when, when they wanted him. So there was a lot of talks about Tottenham making a play for him. So yeah, I'm happy he, that we were able to lock him down, but it is sad to see Flick leave. Yeah, 
And it's funny you mentioned Tottenham going for him because they were rumored. The rumor this past week, including that announcement, was that uh, Tottenham had already reached out to Nigelsman. Nigelsman turned them down for the Bayern job. Not only that, Tottenham reached out to. This is another rumor that Tottenham reached out to my man Jesse Marsh, which. Now we'll be talking about Jesse Marsh is now going to be the Red Bull Leipzig manager. He's going to be moving over from Red Bull Salzburg to Red Bull Leipzig. So from the Austrian Bundesliga to German Bundesliga, quite a massive step up. Jesse Marsh, in case you were not aware, is an American. He's an American manager. Really got to start in the MLS with the Montreal franchise, then moved to the New York Red Bulls. So he got into this whole system, moved over to be an assistant manager at RB Leipzig, then went to be the head manager at RB Salzburg. And now he's coming back to Leipzig to be the main man. It's huge. It's massive news. And I was thinking, I've been thinking about it. This is as far as Americans go, Americans making progress in the sport, as far as gaining respect and getting to the top tier I think this is either it's at a minimum just as big of news, if not bigger news than when Pulisic moved to Chelsea. I think this is definitely on par and I think it might be a bigger deal because we, we were taking baby steps as far as players making it to the premier league. Obviously, I mean, Tim Howard was at Manchester United, but we, we didn't really have an American player playing at like the top, like a big six. Um, but we had baby steps leading up to it, but we haven't really had a manager coach make a jump like this before. And yeah, and it, it's, it's true. huge. That's true. Um, the only other examples I would have are people who are either dual nationals. You know, there's right. a guy who's currently managing Stuttgart, um, who's uh, dual American. Um, and I think Italian. Yep. That's and true. then um, the, the guy, what's his name, who recently managed Huddersfield and then Schalke was dual German American. But the the other the only other time that there was this big of a news was when Bob Bradley was brought into Swansea for literally a month before he got sacked. Right. And right. That, that, was the, that, that, never that was the highest profile si- or, or uh, appointment uh, U.S. managers had ever had, which was nuts because yep. – Literally, Swansea went through, I think, five managers that, that year. Yep. So it's huge. I'm, I'm very, 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 very excited. I've been kind of teasing Bones all week about this because if you're new to this podcast, Bones is a, a, the number one mascot of the Bundesliga. And I might be – I'm not quite the number one, but I'd say I'm at least like top 20 in the world Bundesliga troll. Yeah. Uh, so – this one's this is making this is this is conflicting for me because I love to make fun of the Bundesliga, mainly mm-hmm. just to grind Bones' gears a little bit, but Oh and uh, grind you do. And but I mean, come on, I I might have to become a, a Bundesliga guy now. I might have to be a a Red Bull Leipzig supporter. Mm. You know? If, Jesse if nothing Marsh, else, you're you'll still be pissing me off. So Jesse yeah. Marsh, Tyler Adams, take down the the uh, the evil empire that is Bayern Munich. Whew, what a oh, story that relax, would be. Relax. I can't and also, wait. this has implications on Brendan Aronson, who just moved to Red Bull Salzburg, has been playing a ton under Jesse Marsh. He loves the guy. Does he make the move to 
uh, Red Bull Leipzig. On top of that, Caden Clark, who currently plays for the Red Bulls. I, yes. I believe. New York Red Bulls. I'm is. an MLS guy now, so I can confirm. Jesus. Is moving <laughs> to Red Bull Leipzig this coming summer, I believe. It's pretty nuts. I, I mean, it, it, there could be a ton of Americans in the Bundesliga at top clubs. And, and, and now, and just this is just a... A uh, nice Bayern plug, but uh, a, an American who is on trial from FC Dallas, Justin Che. He's 17 years old, trained with the U.S. or with the um, with the Bayern first team today. Yeah, tearing up in the in the second team. So, I have a question. This is a huge, huge deal. I have a, I have a question. Well, before you before you no, ask me the no, question, it's related, I, it's, I just, it's related I, to that. It's I just remembered just the guy's name is David Wagner, the the former manager of Huddersfield and Schalke. Just needed to get that off my chest. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, so the Justin Shea—that's the guy's mm-hmm. name. Question for you: Be honest. Did you hear about that on your own, or did you hear about it because I sent you something on Instagram? I heard about it on my own. Damn it. Okay, I—I'm going to trust you. What do I'm you gonna, think? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. What do you, you think? You know about Bayern that I don't know. <laughs> well, you're clearly in denial that they're in a legitimate league. Oh my god! Ooh, okay, um, that wasn't that good. I could have been funnier. No, actually, yeah, I probably couldn't yeah, have. No. Someone else could have been funnier. Um, okay. I'm not that clever. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So that's I. I mean, I think that's it for the news this week. That's. I mean, that's a lot of news. I would. Say. That is a lot of news. I. I will say this though. I, I. And. And maybe I'm tooting our own horn here. I think part of the news is that we've hit 45 episode episodes. Holy shit! That's 45? Yeah, That's I mean, nuts. What do you think we're going to do on our 50th episode anniversary? I mean, at the very least, it'd be cool to be in the same state, you know? Uh, I don't think we will be. Hmm. Well, that was a, a nice pipe dream, I suppose. Yeah. Well, five episodes come quickly. We do two a week, so we, we ain't far off. Mm-hmm. But okay. hey, hey, Trev, good cool. going. We've hit it. We've hit 45. Well, yeah, 40. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yes. Yes. Pat on the back, but like usually you celebrate on like the 50th or the hundredth. So let's, let's chill. Let's make it to 50, have a party, a, a two person party. <laughs> um, okay. So that's, that's it for the news this week. So let's jump into talking a little bit about champions league. But before we do that, if you liked the episode so far, make sure you rate review and subscribe, and most importantly, share this podcast with a friend. It would be much appreciated by us, but I'm sure your friend will think you're awesome for doing so as well. All right. That's it. It's the only ask. Moving on. Champions League. Semifinals this week. First leg. First match we're talking about. Real Madrid. 13 times winners. Real Madrid versus Chelsea. Final score. This was in Madrid. Final score, 1-1. Goals, our boy, Captain America. Pulisic in the 14th minute. And then the evil the evil man, Kareem Benzema, tied it up in the 29th minute. Overall, I'd say a very encouraging match for Chelsea, but they definitely should not feel overly confident because they came out to start this match by far the better team. So there should be 
they should feel good about being able to win this win this this semifinal, right? They were definitely the better team. They came out, they punched Real Madrid right in the face. Polistic's goal was amazing. They should have had two goals. Polistic served up a beauty right on a plate to none other than Timo Werner, who had all he had to do was head the ball past the keeper, no defender, no pressure. Honestly, I say this a lot. I could have done this. I could have scored this goal. He headed it almost exactly at Courtois. I don't want to take anything away from Courtois because it was a great reaction save with his foot. But, God, Timo Werner, you got to bury that man. I, I feel like Timo Werner also had another one where he was in front of goal and just and it was with his feet and he just couldn't get it done. Maybe I'm misremembering. I was a little delirious. I don't know. Yeah, well, could be confusing with all the other matches he's played. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think... Chelsea, I, th- I think going into the semifinal, for me, I was expecting Real Madrid to dominate because they, they kind of kicked the shit out of Liverpool. Um, and they didn't. They they showed some weaknesses. And so Chelsea going back to London should feel confident that they can they can kill this. But, man, they just got to be careful because Benzema is a monster. Yeah, he and really is. It's pretty incredible. He is, he is, I think it's safe to say, incredibly underrated because he's probably... He's probably not the second best striker in the world, but I think there's a strong case to say he's the third best striker in the world right now behind Lewandowski, Harry Kane, and then it's Benzema because the finishes he makes are just incredible. Like this, Mm -hmm. the goal he scored was sort of out of nowhere. Wasn't clean for him. It wasn't set up on a, on a tee for him to, to score this. And it was just an angry shot and it just ripped the net. I don't know. Like, the guys, I'm, he's scared. And it was, it was kind of like not entirely, but kind of a bike, which was really cool looking. So, yeah, I don't know. He, he is, it is scary. It's scary to see him hitting his stride when he's, he's this old. Obviously, he was playing second fiddle to Ronaldo and then to a certain extent, Ronaldo and Bale. Yep. It's, it's nuts. It's, yeah. it's freaking nuts. Yeah. I mean, the question, the thing is, it's like, He's probably just finally getting appreciated because he is now the best player on the team. Whereas before he had to, obviously Ronaldo cast a massive shadow and Modric in his prime was just a magician and Tony Cruz in his prime was a magician. And, and yeah. it, so there was just like tier one top level players all over the starting 11. So it was, it was easy for him to kind of fade, fade into the background, but like, he's still clicking on all cylinders when a lot of those players have moved on to other clubs or are losing quite a few steps. So it's, can you imagine too, if Didier Deschamps got his head out of his ass and actually recalled Benzema to the French national team, what they would look like rather than having to start with Giroud. Hey, Giroud is pretty good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I don't know. How do you feel as a, as a fan? How, How do you feel about Chelsea's chances going into the second leg? I mean, I, I think it's the, the same old story. I thought that they were relatively fine defensively um, and offensively. They just weren't decisive enough. They weren't clinical enough. Timo Werner obviously is continuing to go through his struggles, but I thought Christian Pulisic's performance was was excellent. Um, yes. And it's good to see him continue his form. He's really hitting stride. I like that. 
it re- he really picked it up when the, I guess, the naysayers were starting to get a little fuel as he got injured and um, was having a little trouble when Tuchel first took over. But he has really shown just the past couple of weeks that he is a world-class player, is, is developing into a world-class player. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned um, you thought Real were just going to steamroll um, Chelsea in this match because of what they did to Liverpool. But I think that's, that's just indicative of what we've seen from Liverpool this year, that they sometimes look the Liverpool of, uh, Liverpool of old that just go out and are just ridiculous, or they just absolutely crumble under the pressure and just look horrible. So Yeah, Liverpool I has th- that match like one every they have they look like their last year's team won every eight to ten matches. Yeah. So I, I just think that and as we talked about with Bayern and PSG, I think that Real played Liverpool at the at the right at the right moment. Yeah. And I don't think that that Real are a are a particularly strong squad in relation to what they have been um, in past Don squads, uh, particularly when Ronaldo was still around. I mean, it, this oh, of course, team, yeah, you just you don't necessarily know where your goals are going to come from, um, other than from Benzema. Like you still have great players, but by and large, they're old. And then you've got Vinicius Junior, who's always deadly but hasn't proven to be a scorer. And then there are other players on the field. It's just kind of mismatched, mismatched attackers that I don't necessarily know. Yeah, how they'll yeah. perform on a game-to-game basis. Yep. Um, it's also worth knowing that Eden Hazard made a return in this match. He got subbed on late in the second half. Well, not that late. I think like 60th, maybe 70th minute. And he's dealt with injuries pretty much ever since he moved to Madrid. So interesting to see him play. Uh, you'd think that he's still getting back to fitness, but he might play a key part in the second leg, which would be hilarious for him to – potentially knock Chelsea out at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, that would be a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. But I think Chelsea, although not in a very secure driver's seat, are in the driver's seat because the fact is the final score was 1-1. They're going home. And what does Chelsea do very well under Tuchel? They do a phenomenal job at winning matches 1-0. So if they can just do that at home, they move on. Okay, moving on. Next match. PSG versus Manchester City. Final score, 2-1 to Manchester City. This was a like a mini roller coaster of a match. So there's a lot of running for sure. <laughs> lots of running. Goals. So started off with Marquinhos getting a goal for PSG in the 15th minute. A beautiful header from Cross. Um, just perfectly played. At that point. PSG's dancing, Neymar's smiling, they're they're feeling themselves, they got the swagger. Going to halftime, up 1-0 against Manchester City, feeling good. Then, 64th minute was pretty much the start of the unraveling. So, Kevin De Bruyne scores in the 64th minute. Mares scores in the 71st minute off a free kick, which was hilarious because... He shot it basically directly at the wall, and the wall split. They, they, they formed a little gap in the wall for this ball to squeak through perfectly and to beat Kaylor Navas. And then, I don't know how to pronounce his name. The red card. 
PSG got a red card in the 77. Oh, Adrisa Gay. Gay. Adrisa Gay. Um, yep. You heard it. PSG reduced to 10 men in the 77th minute after a nasty, not the worst I've seen, but like definitely clearly a nasty studs up tackle on Gundawan. So I think that was his second red card of the of this Champions League campaign. That is correct. Yeah, Wait, that's not great. What remind me what happened with the KDB goal? Because it Navas fucked up somehow. Oh, uh, it was a failed um, cross into the box that you know it's one of those that the goalie thinks somebody's going to get ahead oh. on it, so he's waiting for the contact, but everybody misses, so it just sneaks into the side of the net. Right. It was basically a he was he was sending the ball in back post, hoping someone would get ahead on it. No one got ahead on it. Keller Navas assumed someone was going to get ahead on it. Ball goes in. Amazing. Amazing huh. because what it means, I'm calling it right now, PSG is going to get knocked out. It's going to be another failure in the semifinals. And then they're going to freak out, blame it on Gaylor Navas, when it's really not his fault at all. And then spend $50 million on David De Gea. It's going to be great. Hey, everybody wins. Yep. Uh, yeah, overall, man. And obviously people were quick to jump to this right after the match, but Mbappe disappeared. Ruben Diaz and John Stones shut him down again, shut down the next next big challenge. They they did the same thing to Holland. They've done it to, I don't know, there's a long list I saw on Twitter, but basically they're, the, de- the defense of Manchester City is no joke, and it hasn't yeah. been all season. It's unbelievable what they do. That being said, I still believe in Mbappe, and I think that he could fuck shit up in the second leg. I don't. I think he could. I don't think he will, but it's definitely a possibility. And I think it'd be really cool because if he can somehow turn this around for PSG, it's just like another thing. It's not a trophy, obviously, but just another uh, accolade. Accomplishment. Yeah, another accolade for this guy who's just unbelievable at the age of what twenty-two. I mean. It'd be it'd be nuts, and I, I'm I, there's nothing to dislike about this guy, so I, I'm cheering for it. Yeah, I I think there's a little bit too much Neymar rubbing off on him, so now he's kind of turning into a bitch a little bit. No, he's not, dude. I've seen him on That's the floor you. a little bit more than I would like. That's I also you projecting because you hate Neymar so much. That no, you filled I filled up the Neymar hey, tank, and now hey, you're trying to find another victim. Hey, I don't I don't necessarily hate I I hate how hate Neymar PSG. acts. I and also hate PSG. I hate how Neymar acts. He is an incredible player, but he just oh god, all of, every player on PSG, they're just bitches. See, they you're are. proving my point. You're 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 projecting onto Mbappe. Mbappe is not a bitch. Well, I'll just use my favorite term that remains to be seen. <laughs> okay. It's like a get out of jail free card or whatever. Mm. Um yeah, it'll be interesting. I think City moves on, though. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. I don't. In my mind, there is no scenario that City does not win the championship. I mean, they just looked ridiculous, and they have looked ridiculous all year. And I, I think that this is probably the most convincing I've seen Pep in a, in a, Champions League in quite some time. Yeah, has the potential to be a all English final. Again, again. again. Oh, I would hate that so much. Hmm. Um, Just give you an all-German final. That would be preferable. Ugh. 
Okay, so that's going to do it for, for Bones and I. So uh, we're going to end it right here. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Monday. Yeah.